0: Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg shoots This is episode nine of the 2024 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And week two, in the books, and I'll tell you what, I think the theme so far this season is the play of the quarterback. I, I think 2023 could very well be the year of the quarterback. So many quarterbacks playing so well, that's really elevated the draft stock of so many guys. And I'll tell you what, Colorado, Deion Sanders, doing it again. You saw against Nebraska, 36-14 winners. You know, this was a, a game that was competitive early on. Nebraska, that that defensive front, really putting a lot more pressure on Chudor Sanders. And can we talk about Chudor Sanders for a second? This is a guy that is firmly entrenched in not only the Heisman voting, but a guy that I think can end up being the top 10 pick in this year's draft. And, and when you look at, at Shadour Sanders, the body of work. Yes, you know, it's very few games under his belt in uh, the Power Five, but what you've already seen against TCU and against Nebraska is a guy who has tremendous poise in the pocket. Uh, You've seen the escapability. You've seen the precision throws. uh, Just a guy that's unrattled in the pocket. To me, he's the number three quarterback right now behind Caleb Williams and Drake May. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that that's really, you know, he cemented himself there. Through these, these two games, 77.5% completion percentage for over 900 yards and six touchdowns to zero interceptions at 393 yards and two touchdowns against Nebraska. And, again, this was a game where first half was very competitive and Nebraska really, frankly, was shooting themselves in the foot. You know, the, by comparison, you look at a guy like, like Jeff Sims. Every time Nebraska seemed to be moving the ball a little bit, there was an interception that he threw. Uh... The nickelback, uh, you know, Cameron Silvan Craig picks off a pass. A couple of fumbles. I mean, it's hitting him in his hands, and he's dropping, uh, dropping passes or dropping the fumbles. Um, I look at Nebraska, and I think at some point you have to talk about you know moving to to Heinrich Harburg. Uh, you know, Sims. Yes, he's, he's the, the dynamic running quarterback, but you know the ball security has always been an issue for him, and that's really where Nebraska struggled. Uh, you know, I, I thought Travis Hunter had a, had a solid game. But it's one of those to where, you know, he, he wasn't really asked to do a ton. Really, the what, what you're seeing there is Xavier Weaver, uh, 10 catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown. He's going to end up being Chudor Sanders' go-to target, I, I think, more often than not. Really a sure-handed wideout, runs smooth routes, uh, excellent timing with Chudur Sanders. You see that there. Uh, so I, I think Colorado, look, they're playing Colorado State. We already know Jay Norvell's put some bullet, bulletin board material Therefore, Dion, and uh, I think it's going to get out of hand early uh, and uh are going to end up having to call off the dogs at some point. But uh, I can imagine that uh, the, the leaders of dogs there for the Buffaloes will be looking to run up the score early and often against the Rams. But uh, really a great win there against Nebraska. I got to see a little bit of adversity, how they were going to react. And, look, you know, Shadour Sanders – was unfazed by any of that. Um, when you talk about quarterbacks, I mentioned Caleb Williams. we got to talk about him briefly because, look, you know, he really only played in the first half against Stanford. This was a game where he just got out of hand early. The defense looked to, to you just playing a heck of a lot better, a lot more physical up front, uh, being able to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, getting to Ashton Daniels and uh, Justin Lamson. At one point, they had only completed three passes uh, in, in the game. It was – you know, really a, a nice defensive performance for the Trojans. But Caleb Williams, look, have more total touchdowns than incompletions. 19-22, to 22, 281 yards, three touchdowns. And then uh, 21 yards on the ground and a score as well. And when you talk about Caleb Williams in this game, you know, a guy that just, again, was making it look so easy. Started 6-6 six six for 52 yards. Uh, in the first quarter, they're up 21 nothing, 11-13 for 100, uh, 114 yards. Uh you know, you see him, you know, there was a, the effort plays. Uh, a quick throw to Taj Washington. Didn't really end up blocking anyone, but he, he started running with him a good 28 yards down the field. You see him sprinting and getting out there. Um, you loved his ability to drop the arm angle, throwing around the edge rushers. You see him side-arming it right in there. Um, one of the things that, that I thought was, you know, spectacular on this throw to, to Dorian Singer um, again, he's not going to have this type of time at the next level, but it just shows the creativity, the the improvisational skills. There's a three-man rush. Um, no, he, he moves to his left, backs up to give him space, and then moves to the right. Understands spacing w- with the defenders. Throws a strike to, to Dorian Singer for 19 yards. He's really pointing Mario Williams underneath the pylon, kind of holding him there. Eyes go back to Singer, who's coming across the back of the end zone, able to fire a strike. Puts it right out in front of the receiver there. Uh, Brendan Rice on a 75-yard uh, go route. Just uncorks this deep pass, a good 65 yards in the air. Hits Brendan Rice in stride. Uh, you know, 20-yard fade, uh, throwing it to Singer, who was able to, to high-point the pass and, and haul it in there as well. Uh, look, you know, Caleb Williams, 171 points through 10 quarters. Uh, You know, four touchdowns, receptions by eight receivers. Uh, You know, Caleb Williams making a a strong argument for back-to-back Heisman trophies. But look, you know, not only is he competing with a guy like uh, Shadour Sanders, there are other guys that are knocking at the door and wanting wanting to uh, emerge, if you will, as a uh, legit Heisman contender and a quarterback that should be talked about in the first two days of the draft. How about... Quinn yours out of Texas. You got to talk about him because why? Texas takes down Alabama. Now, I said during one of my first podcasts, the SEC outlook, that Alabama could be vulnerable. I thought this was the year you look at their team. They don't have... Uh, a bona fide stud at the receiver position. They're replacing three starters on the offensive line. Jace McClellan is okay at the running back position, but they don't have, like, that that bell cow that you can really hang your hat on. Jalen Milrow, uh, look, deep ball accuracy was suspect. And then defensively, you know, a lot of guys that I don't think are proven outside of the, the secondary. So a, a lot of question marks, and I thought that, you know, Quinn Ewers uh, definitely outplayed uh, Jalen Milrow. 24 of 38, 349 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That was the biggest key there for Texas, and uh, you know with yours, this is a guy who, you know, last year, you know, he looked uh, you know a little bit heavier. You know, he, not only did he cut the mullet to lose lose some weight there, but you know he's actually under 100, uh, under 200 pounds. He's 6'2, 195 now. You know, the, the shorter haircut as well, but. You know, you saw him actually take off and run the ball for a good eight, nine yards. You know, he's not a guy that's going to be explosive or anything like that, like some of these other quarterbacks we're talking about. But, man, you know, you just see the mobility, his, you know, his ability to move in the pocket a little bit better um, than, than he had a season ago. You know, you watch him, you know, throw on a whip route to, to Xavier Worthy, put the ball to the outside, you know, ultimately right off the receiver's hands, but through an excellent throw. Uh, the deep ball accuracy was an issue for him. You know, uh, I think the broadcast noted that 22% of it, you know, on his passes uh, that were 20-plus yards in the air. What does he do? Xavier Worthy runs a, a skinny post, 44-yard touchdown. Puts a ton of air under it, really just allowing it to run under it, make a, a diving catch for the score, um, you know, pressure it in the pocket. You see him climb and, and puts the ball down the field. Um, you know i thought that was something that was that was nice some of that mobility there within the pocket again uh 39 yard touchdown to 80 mitchell up the seam dropped it right in over his shoulder into the end zone safety moves off to the inside on another route mitchell versus trey amos kind of widened that route that got up the seam perfect trajectory just drops it right in over the shoulder quinn ewers you see the development there his ability to get the ball out and hit those receivers down the field. There are two defenders coming off the left side. Uh, the tight end, J- Jatavian Sanders, runs uh, an out from the inline uh, tight end spot. Ball was out. As he makes his cut, catches it, takes off for a 50-yard gain. So there was you know, those plays as well. Uh, you know, There was uh, really waiting for A.D. Mitchell on the next play to clear the, the safety coming downhill, delivered a strike on a seven-yard slant. You know, there are some uh issues at, at times where you know he the some errant throws uh needs to make sure that he's setting his feet uh i, I thought there was some inaccuracy when the feet weren't always set um on, on some of the throws but he showed some touch down the sideline to ad mitchell had a really kind of a half a step on kool-aid mckinstry just the perfect placement mckinstry's in phase inside leverage but you know the, the perfect pass beat that perfect coverage uh so quinn Ewers to me is definitely elevating his game and uh you know you want to see what he can do there at texas obviously taking down alabama so that makes things interesting for sure uh another quarterback that we have to talk about is is michigan's jj mccarthy and i think what he's been doing thus far at michigan uh you know i I think is, is kind of falling um People aren't paying attention. You know, it's just kind of falling almost—I wouldn't say on deaf ears—but you know, this is a guy that so far has uh, what seven incompletions through two games. Granted, he's playing East Carolina and UNLV, but still, the the pinpoint accuracy is there. 22 of 25, 278 yards, two touchdowns against the the running rebels. And uh, when you talk about JJ McCarthy, uh, you know, one of the things that that is apparent this year is they want to throw the football a lot more. I think last year. Uh, You have Blake Corum. You had Donovan Edwards. You had that offensive line. They were able to really lean on that. And and J.J. McCarthy now is – they're really allowing him to to cut loose with the football. And and you're seeing uh, his ability to – just the accuracy. Splitting defenders, delivering a strike, excellent velocity, a lot of short to intermediate passes there against UNLV. And that was something that, you know, it it took him 13 – I'm sorry, 14 passes before he threw his first – Incompletion and that was on a miscommunication. But uh, you watch, you know, his ability to just throw it into a tight window. You know, he had Cornelius Johnson, uh, I think it was a skinny post, threw it, you know, up the seam. You know, velocity ball was a little bit behind, but it kind of appeared to be by design, you know, based on the coverage. Uh, You know, understanding where the defense is going to be and putting the ball right where the receiver needs to, you know, be able to make a play on the football. You know, if you don't get pressure on him, he's going to pick you apart. Uh, Roman Wilson on the 13-yard touchdown uh, was in the slot, runs a dig, uh, hits him right over the middle, cuts up the field for for the touchdown. Uh, At one point, your six quarters of play have just five incompletions, seven so far. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous what uh, J.J. McCarthy has been able to do. Uh, Obviously, you want to see what he can do as he gets into Big Ten play, but uh, J.J. McCarthy is another name that we have to continue to talk about because – that play is just going to continue to to impress and if he can continue against some of the uh, some of the big boys in that Big Ten conference especially you know against your Ohio states uh, your Penn states that's where I think you know I, I think people are really gonna start taking notice of him as it is I think he's a, a day two prospect right now and a guy that's gonna just continue to climb up draft boards uh, I thought Jackson dart uh, old Miss, we wanted to see the matchup of you know Michael Pratt Versus Jackson Dart, and unfortunately, Michael Pratt goes down to injury at late in the game against uh, South Alabama. Leg injury. He was a, a game time decision; and just couldn't go. But for Jackson Dart, I thought this was a really a great game for him. Uh, you know, this is a guy that started out had a great season to start out the year. Then when Ole Miss lost their four the last four games, he really struggled. Uh, just some pretty balls uh, that he was throwing out there. Uh, Trey Harris, a guy that I mean, just seems to continue to rack up uh, touchdown passes. I think he's got five or six already on the year. Uh, corner route, dropping it right over the shoulder. Uh, you know, a guy that I think is continuing to improve. Uh, As a passer, uh, there's a 31-yard touchdown right on the money at about 13 yards. Threads the needle, gets it to Harris, who beats the corner. Safety was coming over. The two defenders collide. He ends up taking it in for six. Uh, Stared down his receivers at times. I think this is the guy that's going to come back for one more year. Uh, Under Lane Kiffin continues to develop. There's just so many bigger-name quarterbacks right now. Uh, But Jackson Dart is certainly a guy that – Uh, I think people should continue to watch, continue to see how he develops uh, there with Lane Kiffin. Tyler Van Dyke, look, he outplayed Connor Wegman uh, and Miami, taking down Texas A&M, the 23rd-ranked Aggies, 48-33. And with Van Dyke, he was 21-30 for 374 yards and five touchdowns. The key there, no interceptions. And just perfect passes. There's a post. you know, uh, Jacoby George got behind the safety, uh, coming up to pick up the tight end. Just – air under the ball allowing the receiver to to run under it ultimately the ball was dropped but just a really a pretty ball you watched him go through his progression starting from his left finding the tight end coming open down the middle of the field fires a strike for a 20-yard gain um, just dropping passes you know fade down the sideline putting the ball right over george's hands uh or over his shoulder able to make the catch this time plants cuts across the field to the end zone for a 64-yard touchdown 64 yard touchdown 6'4, 224 pounds Consistency and health are the two biggest things there with Tyler Van Dyke. I think what Mario Cristobal has, you know, look, that offensive line, we'll be talking about that here in a minute. That offensive line outplayed the defensive front there for the Aggies. And I think that's something that we're definitely going to have to be talking about uh, as the season continues to progress, uh, if Miami continues to to put up the these impressive wins. Oregon, Bo Nix. I think we have to talk about Bo Nix a little bit. And what he was able to do there against Texas Tech—not their best showing—and really they struggled uh, against the the Red Raiders. It's tough to play in Jones AT&T Stadium, Lubbock, Texas, after dark. It, it gets weird there. Uh, but Bo Nix, you know, 32 of 44, 359 yards, and a couple of scores. Also ran for 46 yards as well. And I think the thing with Bo Nix, what you see there, uh, you know, he, he does struggle with accuracy on the run. I think that's his biggest issue. Um, you know, he. he if he gets under pressure, pocket coming up the middle, you know, he'll fade away at times, throwing off of his back foot. You'll see the balls, uh, you know, either sail on him or or will will come up short. So I, I think you know the arm talent it isn't quite up to par with some of these other quarterbacks. He really has to make sure that uh, you know if he's in the pocket, you know, really if there's a clean pocket, he's he's very. Uh, you know, the pinpoint accuracy is absolutely there. You saw him uh you know Troy Franklin on a go route. Perfect touch, enough air under the ball allowing him to uh to run under it. Really hit him in stride. Really a perfect strike for 72 yards. Didn't have to break stride at all. It was just just perfectly thrown. A 15-yard touchdown to tez Johnson on a crossing route in the pocket, pressured. You saw the happy feet he's retreating, but he does set his feet, fires that strike on the you know to the receiver coming across for the touchdown. Um, you know, a lot of low throws uh, had had the the running back Jordan James coming out of the backfield in the flat. Uh, running back unable to make that shoe streak catch. Uh, one of the things that you love is, is seeing some of that velocity on on his throws. Uh, so the arm strength is absolutely there uh you know franklin versus off coverage single wide receiver side throws it down uh for the receiver to go ahead and haul in that pass for a 9 yard gain but the velocity being able to get it out there in a hurry to his receiver uh being able to gun in those throws but then also have those touch throws as well being able to change up the velocity is key uh, that's something that I think Michael Penix Jr. struggles with at times, not always able to change those speeds up a little bit. So uh, I thought that was, you know, play that we definitely saw from him. Uh, when, when you look at, uh, at at Washington State, you know, when we talk about Washington State and we talk about Cam Ward. Uh, you know, Cameron Ward's a guy that people aren't really talking about. And this is a guy that I think could end up deciding to stay. Look, you know, Ron Stone, Brendan Jackson, you know, they, I, I think – Uh, Coach Jake Dickert is setting a culture there in in the Palouse. Those are two six-year seniors on the defensive side of the ball. They decided to come back. They did not hit the transfer portal. Could Cam Ward do the exact same thing? It's entirely possible. 6'2", 220 pounds, a guy that just gets the ball out of his hands really quickly. In this game, 21-33, a little over 200 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, also had 43 yards on the ground, uh, really nice touch throws. Um, you know, had a, a running back on a wheel route, allowing the running back to run under it. Really a nice play. Didn't receiver didn't or the running back didn't have to adjust to the football. Really just puts it right there on on him. Again, I, I think Cam Ward is proving to be a draftable commodity. But when I look at Cam Ward, you know I I think. Because he has another year of eligibility, I think it would behoove him to come back to, to Pullman for one more season, play in Martin Stadium again, another place where things can get weird at times, and uh, see what he can do for uh, for the Cougars there. Um, you know, We won't know exactly what conference are playing in, the Pac-2, the Mountain West, um, Pac-West, whatever we're going to be calling things out there. Um, but uh, I, I think he's a guy that can help usher in that new era there for washington state tanner mordecai in that same game uh, 277 yards and, and a touchdown you know this is a team that's kind of in a transition right they're, they're moving from paul christ and, and that that uh running offense to phil longo's uh spread offense and uh, mordecai you know the thing for him where he was at his best was being able to put the throws on a line. You saw that either, you know, down the field to the opposite side of the field as well. Um, I, you know, the touch, you know, was lacking, I thought, but I think the chemistry with these receivers, he's getting there, uh, hitting, hitting DK down the sideline. Will Pauling is developing into a go-to receiver as well. Skylar Bell hauling in a couple of passes. You know, like I said, the biggest thing is, is, is those, those, those balls down the field, with velocity, uh, gunning him in there. Um, a lot of stuff is on a line. So, you know, you, you didn't see as many you know, receivers running under the football that you might have seen on some of these other throws from other quarterbacks. Um, the other thing, too, is is just the, the clock, the internal clock to get rid of the football. Ron Stone uh, lived in the backfield. We're going to be talking about a few edge rushers who really helped themselves. Ron Stone may have been the guy that uh, – everyone is going to be talking about when it's uh when it's all said and done for week number two he just seemed to to really be everywhere in the backfield and and really let's go ahead and actually talk about ron stone uh because we've kind of gotten through the quarterbacks i think you know the one name that we still ought to mention is jalen daniels a guy you know there for kansas against illinois 34 23 winners um when Jalen Daniels is at his best, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. The dual threat ability, um, you see the arm strength continuing to prove. This is a guy that's going to come back to Lawrence Kansas for one more year. I, I firmly believe that he still needs to improve as a passer, but I thought had another really solid game. He's the guy to continue to keep an eye out for, you know, with with that development for sure. But let's get back to the the Washington State Wisconsin game look the Badgers ranked number 19 in the country and Wazoo taking him down 31-22 um, and Ron Stone Jr. look you know he's got the bloodlines dad played in the NFL uh, but this this guy just consistently you saw the stab with the inside hand and then the slap with the outside flattening out to the quarterback after dipping that inside shoulder he get that inside shoulder really low As he turns the corner, flattens out, gets to the quarterback. And then as he's getting there, he's chopping down on the quarterback's arm. Tanner Mordecai, you know, with two forced fumbles. Um, And you look at at Brennan Jackson, his running mate there on the opposite side, had two fumble recoveries, one of which he actually took in two yards for the score. But it was just – it was rinse and repeat, right? I mean, it was stab, slap, dip, flatten, get to that quarterback. And it was time and time again, you know, and Ron Stone, look, you know, he's 6'3, 235, you know, really at his best as a stand-up edge rusher. He's an outside linebacker at the next level. I think he's a guy that's definitely helped himself really have people take notice of his play. You couldn't help but but notice that. Uh, just constant pressure in the backfield against Tanner Mordecai. Really went when Jack Nelson got his hands on him, that was where he was neutralized. He needs to be able to take advantage of that speed and the quick hands. When he was stabbing, you know, able to throw Jack Nelson off one of the plays, he actually got into the chest of, of Nelson. And then as he comes to slap, Nelson ends up falling down. And he's able to really get a, a free line to the quarterback. Uh, I thought Jack Nelson was definitely exposed there for Wisconsin at that left tackle spot. No way he can handle speed at the next level. He's a guy that's going to have to... Um, either move to the right side or kick inside. Uh, the footwork—he just—he struggled to get out and, and, you know, really handle Ron Stone. Uh, you know, the, the quickness, the hands—you know—he just—he couldn't match up with that. Lost leverage. Needs to keep that pad level lower. Um, like I said, though, when he got his hands in, when he was able to shoot his hands and, and win early, he was able to control uh, Stone. But that wasn't that didn't happen very often. I thought Jack Nelson really struggled uh, mightily in this game. Uh, you know, Brennan Jackson, six four, two sixty three, edge rusher. He was a guy that seemed to continue continuously be kind of Ron Stone's running mate. Uh, he's more of a guy that's going to put his hand in the dirt, and come off the edge. Uh, but a guy that I thought uh, you know, he's a, both of these guys are going to get drafted. You know, I think Ron Stone, um, you know, because of his pass rush prowess. May end up getting drafted a little bit higher, but look, you know, Brandon Jackson. You know, I, I think there's he's more scheme versatile, so I think that that may bode well for him as well. If you're talking about Arizona State, I know they lost 27-15 to Oklahoma State. Uh, Jason uh, J- uh, Jaden Rashada, the quarterback, only 167 yards and a pick in that game um, with with one touchdown. But uh, BJ Green, if you don't know this guy, you really need to get your hands on some film number 35 6'1, 275, a former walk-on was a defensive tackle that moved to defensive end and this is a guy that look on third downs they're moving him inside and rushing the passer from within and uh you know what he loves to do he gets his hands on on the guard rips right through and then turns the corner in a hurry chases down the quarterback um you know you saw him chasing him down backside, getting in affecting the quarterback Uh, and really also blowing up run plays as well. He he looked to attack the left tackle to the inside, really kind of dipping his inside shoulder to kind of knife through there and then get to the running back, drop him for a loss. He was very, uh, very active in this game and just seemed to be making plays in the the backfield at will against uh, the Cowboys. Uh, Had two sacks, three total tackles for loss. Also had three quarterback hits as well, so just continually – Getting in there, the effort, the effort plays, that was one of the things that I thought really stood out as well when you watched him play was he was continuously getting into the backfield, continuously uh, affecting whichever quarterback was there, whether it was Alan Bowman or or Garrett Rangel or Gunnar Gundy. B.J. Green was in the backfield and, and making some plays. Um, you know, I thought USC Solomon Bird starting to emerge as a pass rusher for them. Uh, 6'3", 250 pounds. You know, a guy that was kind of delaying his rush. He was kind of the last guy to rush off the off the edge. Uh, right tackle. Beats him. You know, hand right to him. Turns the corner in a hurry. You see the bend getting to the quarterback. Uh, hits the arm before it's going forward. Forced the fumble. Uh, next play. Uh, going up against uh, the right tackle, Connor McLaughlin again. Stutter. Shoots inside. Gets downhill to the running back. Drops him for a loss. Uh, So Solomon Bird, a sack, two total tackles for loss in the game. Uh, A guy that I think is emerging. USC in desperate need of a guy that's going to take the reins as an edge rusher for them. And I thought that this was the guy that was absolutely absolutely primed and ready to be able to do that. Auburn taking on Cal. 14-10 winners there for Auburn. Uh, And this is really more of a defensive tackle and a guy that... You know, look, he's only a junior, so he could definitely come back to Auburn. And that's Marcus Harris, kind of an undersized guy at 6'2", 279. Uh, there was a twist up front coming around, uh, really uh, runs runs that B-gap, gets down to the quarterback for a for quick sack. You see the arm over, quick hands, quick feet, quick burst getting up the field, affecting the quarterback on on a QB run. So, you know, a guy that I I think has some of that versatility, the ability to get uh, into the backfield against both the pass and the run. Um, How about Dante Corleone? Can we talk about him for a second? The big nose tackle for Cincinnati, 6'2", 318 pounds. This was a guy that, uh, God, I felt sorry for Jake Cradle, the the center for, for Pittsburgh. Cincinnati ended up winning this game, 27-21, by the way. But uh, Dante Corleone was an absolute beast. Uh, uh, There was a rep where he absolutely just ran him over, literally ran him over, just leveraged, two hands to the chest, right over him, gets to Phil Dracovic for a dominant sack. Uh, Fourth and goal from the nine-yard line, quick move, putting his left hand under the armpit of the center, shoves him off of his spot, burst to close on, on Dracovic for a hit. Uh, Dracovic did end up throwing a nine-yard touchdown, but you just saw his ability to just shove the center aside with ease. Uh, Phil Dracovic, I, I think the luster is kind of finally worn off with him, just 10-32 for 179 yards. Did throw three touchdowns in this game, but this is a guy that struggled, you know, uh, with the, the passing, uh, on the move, inaccuracy. You know, it's a big body guy there in the pocket, but man, just the consistency just is not there, and you know it's kind of disappointing to watch. And uh, you know, look, um, Emory Jones, you know, he didn't wow anybody. You know, had 125 yards passing and, and a couple of touchdowns, um, you know, on the day. But you know, really, it felt like you know, Drakovic. There, there was just he left so many plays out on the field, um, and so it's one of those things to where I think Drakovic, uh, you know, a couple of years out, you know, there at Boston College. Everyone was expecting him to kind of take that next leap. It just never happened, never really materialized. And, uh, you know, I, I just – I look at Phil Dracovic. I don't know that he's going to get himself drafted this year. Uh, Jawan Briggs out of Cincinnati, another guy, 6'2", 297, versatile, can play both defensive end and the nose. Um, a guy that was getting up the field, flushing the quarterback from the pocket. Um, effort effort that was one of the big things that I saw he worked up the field against the left tackle Matt Calvis, a guy that I think really should be playing right tackle um uh, you know at the next level um uh, struggles with some speed but can be dominant in a run game um uh, we got to the quarterback um you know he'd stepped up away from pressure Drakovic did rolls to his right still kept coming around chased Drakovic all the way down ends up getting the sack on the play uh, before Jracova could really pull it and take off and run. So I think that's something that, that definitely jumps out. Um, if we go back to the Friday game and uh, you know Jaden uh, Jalen Daniels, obviously you got to talk about you know Jerzon Newton. Um, you know Johnny Newton another 6'2 295 man among boys push pull on the right guard beating them up the field in pass protection you saw him lining up over the right tackle. Keep the leg drive to push him back. Uses the hands to get off the block. Bends to turn the corner. Flushes Jalen Daniels from the pocket, forcing a throw away. Two hands swipe down on the right guard. Rip through, burst to get to the quarterback for the sack. Um, you know, a guy that look again, two hands into the chest of the right guard. Drives him into the backfield. Comes off uh, off that block. Burst to the quarterback. Daniels did avoid that, was able to fire a strike there. But, again, just seemed to be living in the backfield. Rip move coming off the ball. Beating the right guard. Shooting the B-gaps. Pressure the quarterback. Lines up over the left guard. Loops through the A-gap. burst to the quarterback. Able to to kind of step up and avoid him. But, a guy, look, when when you're talking about Newton, six tackles, two sacks on the game. uh, a, A guy that was consistently getting into the backfield and making plays. Um... To me, this guy's a surefire first-rounder and a guy, you know, when you talk about where Kalijah Canty came off the board at number 19, Jerzon Newton, for me, is in right in that that vicinity. I, I think that's something that, that I feel pretty comfortable in saying. K-State, we know that, uh, you know, Felix uh, Anadike Uzoma, what he did a season ago, got himself drafted in round number one. His running mate a season ago, Khalid Duke, Really, you know, you wanted to see if he could elevate his game. I think that's, you know, we're going to talk about Dallas Turner here in a second. But with Clint Duke, can he elevate the game without uh, FAU there? And he definitely did. Had a couple of sacks, three tackles for loss in their 42-13 win over Troy. You saw his bend getting under the left tackles, pad level, uh, getting to the quarterback, chopping down on the right tackle's hands, rip through, uh, one final slap to get away. Straight to the quarterback for a sack. Um, there's another play where you know he lines up over the left guard, and uh, the, the linebacker to- uh, Toby Osunsami lines up over the left tackle. Left tackle crashes to the left guard, and Duke starts on the left guard, loops around, speed to the quarterback, trips up Gunner Watson for the sack, gets a forced fumble on that as well. Um, you know what you like there with Duke was just the, the speed his ability to bend and get to the quarterback and make plays behind the line of scrimmage. That was something that you're just waiting to see. Could he do that on a consistent basis? And it's good to see that Khalid Duke is taking that next step because that's really something that we were waiting to see if he can continue that momentum. And uh, I think we've, we've finally been able to see that. Chris Jenkins, 6'3", 305 out of Michigan. You know, we know his, his dad played in the NFL with Carolina. Uh, but I thought he was a guy that was wreaking havoc. Um, speed uh, for a guy his size, you know, you see the athleticism. Um, did a great job stacking and shedding the guard, moving laterally, dropping a running back after a short gain. Uh, quick off the ball, powering his hands, extending the left tackle, drives him back into the pocket, can be disruptive there. Um, took on two blockers, uh, then uncovered him, taking on some other defenders. I think there might have been a, a screen that was being set up. Burst to close on, on Doug Brumfield for a sack with Kenneth uh, Kenneth Grant uh, Kenneth Grant's a guy that I think is going to be a beast as well. But what you really liked was just that burst to, to get to the quarterback. Uh, he was disruptive on a fourth and five play as well. Brumfield running a running the option and arm over to beat the right tackle. Then really waiting on that option once uh, Brumfield went up the middle, easily wrapped up the leg for just one one yard gain. Turnover on downs. I just, I, I look at Chris Jenkins and he's a guy to me that I think can be both a, uh, a pass rusher and a guy that can, can clog up the run. And, and so for me, I think he's a guy that is going to continue to drive up uh, draft boards. But can we talk about Patrick Jenkins, please, out of Tulane? I, I don't think that there's a guy who's been moving up draft boards quicker than Patrick Jenkins has. 6'2, 286 pounds. This guy's had, I think, three sacks in the last two, two games. You see a slap followed by a rip, beating the center with a burst of the quarterback, hitting Jackson Darnold's arm – I'm sorry, Jackson Dart's arm as he was throwing. Um, ball ends up sailing for an incompletion. You see another stutter, beats the right guard to the inside, able to bend around and chase Dart from the pocket. Um, ultimately, the quarterback uh, steps out of his tackle, right into Darius Hodge for, for the sack there. Um, Drives the left guard back into the backfield. Hodges off the edge, forces Dart up and right into Jenkins for the sack. Tremendous bull rush. Really the left guard was on skates, the leg drive, to really just drive his man back into the backfield. Patrick Jenkins, to me, he has the burst. He plays with the the pad level and a guy that I think is going to be that that quick penetrator, always getting into the backfield and making plays. Um, Leonard Taylor. I know that this is the guy that everyone was expecting to really take that leap as a defensive tackle, and you know, he's, he's coming back from injury, and, and we know that. Um, and he uh, you know, only played him 15 snaps week one, but you saw the penetration up front. Wins with an arm over on the center, burst to to the quarterback, Connor Wegman, forced him to backpedal, make a poor throw. That was ultimately picked off by its Corey Couch to seal the win for Miami. Um, he's a guy that can be a game wrecker. They just need to kind of continue easing him into, into that play, but a guy that I think is definitely going to continue to move up draft boards. Um, I think his play is, uh, is something that uh, I, really as Miami gets into ACC play, keep an eye out for Leonard Taylor and what he's going to be able to do up front. Some other guys to, to make a note of, Danny Stutzman, 17 tackles, a sack, couple of tackles for loss there against SMU really looking comfortable in Brent Venable's defense. Devondre Sweat, the big dude there for Texas, 365 pounds, stout at the point of attack, tremendous hands, the ability to, to get a push up front, take on multiple blockers, but then also a tremendous burst, the guy that was affecting you know, both the pass and the run, uh, something that I think definitely stood out. Uh, Jalen Hutchings, one of my favorite defensive tackle prospects as well, uh, the nose tackle there for Texas Tech, a guy that's played in 53, yeah, 53 games. 500-pound uh, bench press, 700-pound squat. They talked about that on the broadcast. But a dude that, uh, you know, he moves pretty well for a guy his size. I will say that. He's, he's a guy that's going to chase down the quarterback on the outside. He was pursuing Bo Nix. Uh, gets up the field in a hurry. You know, he was stu- You know, there's a stutter that Bo Nix had. Able to stay with him. Didn't really get, go for the fake. Was able to change, not only change direction, but then also start and stop and not really lose that momentum. Um, You you see him extend his arms into the center, stout at the point of attack, able to stack, shed, pursue the quarterback. Uh, Jalen Hutchings, to me, is a guy that I think people really need to start knowing that name, a guy that I think is just going to continue to impress and start moving up draft boards a lot more. Uh, uh, Mama uh, Jongmeta, 10 tackles, a sack, 3 tackles for loss. You saw the speed coming off the edge. Really was waiting for that, seeing that that speed getting to the quarterback, and then uh, the sideline to sideline ability. I still think the lateral agility isn't isn't quite there. Um, you know, I think he's a little bit slower moving sideline to you know sideline to sideline versus coming downhill. But uh, really a nice game there for Jean Meta, uh, Mississippi State, Jet Johnson, 6'2", 235, a guy that led the SEC in tackles a season ago, eleven tackles, a sack. Two tackles for loss. Also had a couple of interceptions. You know, yeah, they were off McCarum, but uh, there was another play where he really read the quarterback size. Jaden Delora, uh, man, four interceptions on the day, and AS or Arizona still almost beat Mississippi State. They took them into overtime before they finally lost the game. Jet, uh, Jet Johnson, you know, dropping into coverage, read the eyes of, of Delora, slid to his right. Throw it to, to J, uh, Jacob Cowing on, on a curl route. Jumps the route for the interception to set up first and goal for the Bulldogs. Uh, Run play to the perimeter with with Jordan Morgan pulling. You saw the violent hands to so strike Morgan first. Push him to the outside. Wiley cuts inside. That comes off that block to drop him for for no gain. Uh, runs the alley really well coming downhill, getting to the quarterback or getting to the running back. Uh, a guy that you know was blitzing coming off you know both the edge or right up the middle. Um, doing a little bit of everything. And I think that's one of the things that stood out for me there for Mississippi State was the play of Jet Johnson. Eugene Asante, the transfer from North Carolina to Auburn, 12 tackles, a sack, a um, couple of tackles for loss, a pass breakup, got to the quarterback with a couple of hits as well. This guy was timing his blitzes coming off the edge just to perfection. Uh, coming off the edge, untouched to the quarterback for sacks. You also saw him run blitzes, knifing in, tripping up the running backs. You know, it may have been just the, the, the defense there with Cal just not accounting for him, but he just seemed to be all over the field making plays. And when he get, you gave him the opportunity, Asante took full advantage of it. USC's Kalen Bullock, 6'3, uh, 180, the, the junior, definitely looking like a guy that, um, you know, the leader, unquestioned leader of that secondary for the Trojans. Uh, Benjamin Eurosic the tight end sitting down in the middle of the defense uh, Bullock was to the inside reading the play drives on the route Dove in front of the tight end for a near pick uh, comes downhill with Bryson Shaw you know uh, running a jet sweep made sure that he only got three yards you saw the physicality that he was playing with you know we knew about him on the back end of the defense but this is a guy that is showing that he's able to to get that done uh, you know Casey Filkins. Busted through the middle of the field, breaks the tackle, gets down the sideline for 59 yards. Tries Price's head fake to Bullock, who wasn't fooled. Showed that speed to run him down at the 26-yard line. And, uh, you know, I, again, the physicality, the the athleticism, the effort, those were all things that, that you definitely saw from him. There was a fourth and goal play at the four-yard line. Jurassic runs a slant hands on the tight end at the goal line at the top of the route then as the ball arrives gets the hand off the body gets around the tight end to break up the pass with the inside arm just a very smooth effortless play there for the safety look I look at him and I see Tyler Newman I see Kim Kitchens and I see Kalen Bullock and all three of those guys to me have the potential to be first round picks on the back end of any defense when you look at at uh, Stanford there was one bright spot, and that was Benjamin Yurasek. Four receptions, 54 yards. This is a guy, I think he's leading all tight ends and receiving yards, and there's no question why. This guy is a tremendous athlete, a guy that can get down the field. Still a guy that I think is struggling on his blocks. He was whiffing on blocks, fell down a couple of times. Um, but a guy, look, um, You know, he has the speed on jet sweeps. Uh, there was an excellent curl route on, on Shane Lee. Plucked the ball, able to get down the field. Um, a guy that... That athleticism as a receiver um, is going to get him drafted probably in that, that fourth-round range more than likely. I think because he's not much of a blocker, that's where uh, you're going to see some of the uh, the question marks, if you will, uh, in terms of exactly where Benjamin Urosic's is going to fall. But I still think he may end up being a top-five tight end when it's all said and done. Uh, Miami, I mentioned Cam Kitchens. Um, and uh, really a scary play there at the end of the game. Um, coming in and uh, hitting hitting the receiver you know I think he arrived around the same time that the corner did and uh, ultimately knocked unconscious uh, it sounds like he was released from the hospital doing better you know which is great uh, you know seven tackles an interception but I think the biggest thing that they talked about on the broadcast was just all the work that he did all the charity work. Uh, you, know, you name it, this guy was involved with community doing, whether it was you know, with a, an animal shelter or a, at a food bank. This guy did a little bit of you know, working with children. You name it, Cam Kitchens does it. Um, but then you watch the play on the field as well and, and everything that he was able to do. Uh, deep safety, reading a throw to uh, Anaya Smith, Slips down on, on the end breaking route, drives on it to pick uh, pick off that pass and return it for 28 yards. Uh, Noah Thomas was getting vertical down the middle of the field. On a uh, corner had outside leverage. Kinchens coming over the top, showing great range, undercutting the route, elevating, nearly picked off the pass. Um, ground ultimately dislodged the ball from, from him, otherwise he would have had that pick. Um, run play off the edge, comes downhill in the box. Jaden Davis puts a helmet on the ball. Able to beat Amari Daniels to the ball for the force for the fumble recovery. Jaden Davis is another guy that that is an interesting guy. He's over six feet tall. Transferred from Oklahoma. Really struggled with the Sooners at times. You, know, you saw the talent, but just really couldn't put everything together. Seems to have really found a home here in uh, in Miami. Eight tackles, couple of tackles for loss, and a pass breakup uh, to go along with that forced fumble. Um, you know, Jaden Davis is a name that I think teams are going to start really taking notice of because he was a guy that just, I think he's really improved his play overall. And uh, I think at that cornerback spot, you know, teams are going to be looking for that. UNLV, if there was a bright spot for them, I thought Jackson Woodard was that guy. Eight tackles and a pass breakup on the day. You know, Woodard you know, was a guy that transferred from Arkansas, followed his, his head coach, Barry Odom, uh, to Las Vegas. Very active. You know, Had 12 tackles the week prior, another eight tackles here. Plugging holes coming downhill in the run game. Um, you, you saw him blitz from depth through the B gap, uh, leaps into the throwing lane, not going to pass right back into J, uh, J.J. McCarthy's face. This guy also a 4.0 GPA in kinesiology, really a smart guy. Um, you know, and you saw the play definitely um, resembled that. You know, the just the headiness and the, the intelligence, uh, you know, and the, the instincts that you saw that, out there on the field. Uh, Phillip Brooks had a day for Kansas State. Seven catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown. But uh, you know, he was making plays as a running back. Had a, a two-yard touchdown there. Uh, you know, was was returning kicks, and you know, I think with Phillip Brooks, I, I don't know how much he was really on team's radar. You know, just five eight, 171 pounds. You see you know, the elusiveness with, his ball, with the ball in his hands. you uh, can make the first man miss, touch the ball again as a receiver, a running back, kick returner, pump returner. Um, the 39-yard touchdown runs a crossing route, clears the linebacker, makes the catch, gets down to – uh, gets to the edge, down the sideline, gets a block from the receiver, tight ropes the sideline for the score. You just see the athleticism. You see his ability you know, to play from the slot. He's a guy that I think could sneak into that day three conversation at that receiver position. Uh, a veteran there has played a lot of games uh, for the Wildcats and a guy that I think teams really need to start paying attention to. Um, and I mentioned you know, the tight end position. And one of the tight ends that I think is going to be – Competing to be the number one tight end taken, not named Brock Bowers, and, and that's going to be Jatavion Sanders. You know, a guy that really was the number one weapon in terms, at least in terms of yardage. Had five catches, 114 yards on the day there for Texas. I thought A.D. Mitchell had a great game. Uh, Xavier Worthy, we talked about some of their catches, but J- Jatavion Sanders, you know, had that 50-yard catch. He's a guy that I think is really starting to emerge um, and make a, you know, making more of a name for himself. I thought there was a block on the outside that really helped A.D. Mitchell get eight yards on an end around. Um, you know, the receiver ended up getting stripped, and coincidentally enough, Sanders was the one that fell on the football. Um, he's strong with the ball in his hands, absorbs some big hits, gets open up the seam. Um, and then he shows the speed to get down the field. I think that's something that definitely jumped out. And I mentioned Dallas Turner um, and I, you know I, I did talk about it sooner, but uh, Dallas Turner, where has he been? You know this is a guy that I, I think everyone was expecting him to, to make to, to make that step up. He has yet to really be, be a, a factor in the backfield affecting the quarterback like everyone was expecting. We did give Will Anderson Jr. a hard time to start out the year a season ago because he wasn't affecting the quarterback like he did as a sophomore. But when you look at, at, at Dallas Turner, you know, just a couple of, you know, I think he had three tackles against Texas, but a guy that just wasn't really affecting the play uh, in the backfield like you would expect. Uh, 6'4", 240 pounds. He's definitely explosive. But I I look at Liatu Latu. I look at the way that he's able to affect the game. You're not seeing that from Dallas Turner. To me, Liatu Latu has past Dallas Turner in, term, in terms of that play um, you know and really for me you can sit there and say all right he's got the skills we've seen what he's able to do that's also with Will Anderson Jr. opposite him what can he do on his own can he create on his own can he get to the quarterback you know is he a playmaker that's going to be a big question mark and right now I don't have the answer for that I don't know if the answer is yes or not um you know but works from from right to left um Drives the, the tight end, Javion Sanders, down the line. Comes off the ball on a fourth of two. Wraps up the running back one yard shy of the first down. So really made a nice play on the run. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, really a big question mark, I think, for me right now, is, is what is going to happen with Dallas Turner um, and, and Bama. They need a guy on the defensive side that's going to be able to put consistent pressure on the quarterback. And uh, Dallas Turner is going to have to be that guy. So I think he may start feeling some of that pressure. So we talk about week three, and I think week three, you know, there, there are a lot of matchups that are uh, non-conference, and really I think it's starting to ramp, you know, kind of ramp down the non-conference games. Um, not really a, a ton of games that stand out as uh, key games to watch, you know, or matchups between two ranked opponents, um, Oklahoma taking on Tulsa. Um, you know, I think this is going to be another game where Oklahoma is going to be able to really work that offense, uh, being able to see what uh, Dylan Gabriel can do. Can he continue the consistent play? Offensive line was a little suspect at times against SMU. Can those tackles, Walter Rouse and Tyler Guyton, they're going to have to kind of lead the way, along with Andrew Rame. I'm telling you, Andrew Rame is a, is a top five center in this draft. Uh, I think Matt Lee is another guy. Uh, in that Texas A&M game, you didn't really see – McKinley Jackson you didn't see him really be that effective and I think a big reason why was Matt Lee uh just being physical um, and just dominating the point of attack McKinley Jackson just the one tackle not a guy that was making a you know a, a huge impact and so I think you know Matthew Lee you know Cedric Van Praan as the number one center right now but I think Matthew Lee is the guy that's really making a, a huge push and a strong push there Um, But Andrew Rame, likewise there with Oklahoma, running the football. They've got a a stable of running backs. I think that's something to keep an eye out for, for sure. Um, LSU taking on Mississippi State. That's going to be an interesting game. After watching Mississippi State, this is a team that likes to run the football. Um, You know, Woody Marks, Jaquavius Marks, a guy that is physical, he likes to get downhill. We already know that he can catch the football out of the backfield. We saw that last year with Mike Leach's offense. Uh, rest in peace to the, to the Pirate. But uh, you know, a guy that I thought the physical play, 123 yards on the ground, and a, a touchdown, also had four catches out of the backfield. Physical bully ball, a guy that you just want to get the ball to. Will Rogers getting the ball to uh, Leditrick Griffin. And look, Tula Griffin, Slot receiver extraordinaire. I think he's another guy that I think people need to be on the lookout for. And when you talk about LSU, um, you know, look, they were vulnerable against Florida State. Um, the mobile quarterback I think affected them. We didn't see uh, Harold Perkins. I think this offensive line is going to be tested. I thought they looked good against Arizona, but again, that's Arizona. Um, that's not going. You know, that's definitely not LSU's front. Uh, defensively, Jet Johnson, Nathaniel Watson. Uh, Nathan Pickering and and Jaden Crumity up front. Um, This is a defense that I I think uh, can get after LSU, and I think it's going to be probably the game that I'm most interested in watching. Uh, You know, I mentioned Mississippi State and Arizona. I I, I failed to talk about Jordan Morgan. This is a guy that's continuing consistent plays. Coming off that ACL injury, I thought maybe he could have been a first-rounder a season ago. He looks like he's back in form. You know, there were times where because they were going so fast jed fish's offense uh you know that he looked a little winded but you saw the balance you saw the footwork you saw the leverage you saw the hand placement consistently getting that leverage and winning at the point of attack i think jordan morgan is back to his form and i think it's really just a matter of just getting it you know that consistent game shape but jordan morgan is going to be an absolute stud so arizona get a chance to watch Arizona play. I know the quarterback play last week with Jaden Delora, the four interceptions, was really a, kind of a struggle there, but uh, I thought all in all, um, definitely a guy that uh, is, is dynamic as, as a passer. Michael Wiley is a guy, look, you know, Gary Brightwell has carved out a niche for himself at the next level. Michael Wiley is an excellent receiving running back. You know, not Tremendous between the tackles a guy that can get on the outside a little bit but man as a receiver he's one one of my favorites uh, catching the football out of the backfield like kansas state kansas state taking on mizzou we'll see if missouri's for real it's in faro field in columbia missouri um, you know what does missouri have i think you know we get to see tyron hopper we get to see uh chris abrams drain you know and uh you know that secondary is Jalen carley's um Darius Robinson up front. We're going to get to see Javon Foster hopefully take on Khalid Duke. So there's some nice matchups there. Um, As I continue to to look through things and take a look at some of the matchups, um, man, there are just a lot of games that could get get away from teams early, um, like Alabama going to South Florida. Um, I think this is an angry Alabama team, and uh, I think that game is going to get away from the Bulls early. Um, South Carolina going to Georgia is going to be an interesting game. I, I think you know, Georgia, you know, the questions are, are they the number one team in the country? You know, you've got Carson Beck, the quarterback. Obviously, you know that you've got uh, you know, Lab McConkie at receiver. You've got Brock Bowers at tight end. Defensively, you've got uh, you know Jamon Dumas-Johnson. You've got Smell Mondin at linebacker. Um, but South Carolina is a team that is also very intriguing, a team that could have beaten North Carolina, frankly, uh, you know Spencer Rattler and his play uh, you know, need to get Juice Wells going uh, but you know, I think this is a game that, that is a, a sneaky trap game there for Georgia. It is being played in Athens so they'll have that to their benefit but watch out there for sure. Um, North Carolina and Minnesota a couple of unbeaten teams North Carolina they struggled against Appalachian State to really put that game away um, you know I, I think Carolina, Minnesota likes to be physical with you uh, Tyler Newbin and that defense against Drake May. I think that's going to be the matchup to watch. Um, you know, continuing through. Let's see what else we have. Ohio State taking on Western Kentucky. I just want to see Austin Reed, and Malachi Corley against Ohio State. That's really the, the matchup that I'm looking, most looking forward to in, in that game because you know those are guys that you're talking about as uh, you know playmakers and guys that have next level ability. So really want to see how they show up against Ohio State. Uh, you know, Washington traveling to Michigan State, that's going to be a trip that they're going to be making on a regular basis moving to the Big Ten. Michael Penix Jr., he's familiar with, with Michigan State. You know He, he played in Indiana, so he, he's familiar with East Lansing and Spartan Stadium. Romo Dunze and Jalen McMillan are two receivers that I think could end up coming off the board in round number one much like Marvin Harrison Jr. and emeka abuka you know marvin harrison jr look you had a 71 yard catch uh for a touchdown there against Youngstown state oh and keon colden uh against southern miss a a crazy catch along the sideline then he gets the speed down the the sideline hurdles a defender shows some power to finish the run i mean these two guys are just different they're Receiver one and two, but I think Romo Dunze and uh, Jalen McMillan are right there in that conversation as top five receivers in this year's draft class at this point. Um, you know, Florida in the swamp taking on Tennessee. Joe Milton just needs to show that consistency. That's really the biggest thing for me. I think Tennessee should end up winning this game handedly. Um, you know, Really the big question mark is, what are you going to see from Graham Burtz at that quarterback spot? Keep an eye out for John Campbell, Jr., the, the left tackle there for Tennessee. I think he's the guy that's going to be rising up draft boards. I love the physicality. You see the athleticism out there as well. He's a guy to definitely make note of there for the Um uh, Michigan taking on Bowling Green. How many completions are we going to see from J.J. McCarthy there? Um, you know, I think the over/under is probably going to be four, and I may end up taking the under um, if it's if it's set that way. Um, let's see Texas taking on Wyoming. Look, wyoming the upset Texas Tech, who went to you know took to the wire against Oregon. Um, I, I don't think Texas is going to have any issues there. I think Quinn Ewers is going to have a field day and really let loose. Uh, Colorado against Colorado State. I think the real only real question here is just how many points are the Buffaloes going to beat the Rams by. Uh, You look at at Shadour Sanders and uh, and, and Weaver and Hunter at the receiver position. You also have Dylan Edwards, the freshman running back. Um, But I'm still going to be watching the Rams. I want to see Tory Horton, what he can do in in that passing game at the receiver spot. And then Muhammad Kamara, he's the one pass rusher that I think could end up affecting things a little bit for Shadour Sanders. Look for number eight to have, you know, if the Rams want to have – any chance at slowing down this offense, keep an eye out for number 8, Muhammad Kamara. And uh, you know I, I think that's you know, the only other game on the radar might be uh, Fresno State and Arizona State. Um, I mentioned Jaden Rashada, you know, BJ Green, they're going up against Fresno State, a team that's 2-0 and on the year. Um, but like I said, the, the matchups, week 3 is kind of a weird week. There's not really a ton of, of games that uh, you know, you're going to be expecting to see Two ranked opponents going against each other. I think that changes, though, when you get into week four. Uh, Oklahoma against Cincinnati is going to be an interesting game. UCLA and Utah, Oregon State, Washington State. Look, there are eight teams in the Pac-12 in their swan song year um, that are ranked. So that's something to definitely keep an eye out for as we transition into, into league play. Florida State, Clemson, I think that game, beginning of the year, We were expecting a lot more out of Ole Miss Alabama will be an interesting game that'll be in in Tuscaloosa Colorado at Oregon we know that that's going to be a barn burner a fun game what could Shadur Sanders do in that contest Um, so there are some games to look forward to LSU and Arkansas I think will be a fun game to watch as well Scrolling through things, obviously Ohio State Notre Dame. That's going to be the, the prime time game to watch. Uh, but Penn State Iowa is a sneaky game as well. I think that's going to be an intriguing matchup. You, know, you could you can potentially have an undefeated uh, Memphis against an undefeated Missouri team. That'll you know if that happens, that's going to be. Uh, You know, an interesting matchup. And then Cal, you know, the unfortunate loss there against Auburn. The defense played well Uh, offensively. They really struggled to put points up there, you know, against the Tigers. Um, They they moved the ball down, and then they they miss a field goal. So, you know, Cal against Washington, um, I think the, the Huskies can't sleep on Cal as well. Um, so really wanted to kind of talk through week three or I'm sorry, week four a little bit as well, because we're going to kind of go on a hiatus here for, uh, for a couple of weeks, have some travel plans, but we'll get back into the lab, continue the the podcast here. Like I said, in a couple of weeks and uh, we'll get back after it. I'll have to make sure that I catch up on next week's games before I deliver the next podcast. So, until next time, everyone, for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this has been the Ready For The Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Shoots. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your weekend of college football. Until next time, I am at it.